This is Joey with ReSocial. I'm here with Emily and Anthony. Today we've got a really interesting uh, topic. It kind of came to me uh, because I was teaching yesterday and thinking about what drives my students. I teach uh, technology and audio skills uh, courses um, that deal with social media and kind of a lot of hands-on uh, experiences. And, you know, my students were very timid about one, asserting what it is that they dream to be, and two, um, knowing the journey that they're going to take to obtain this. And uh, what I mean by that is, that, I mean, they understand the classes are going to take in the curriculum that's laid out for them and the, and the courses and everything like that. But, but understanding, you know, what's going to drive them beyond getting the piece of paper? What is it that's going to um, create a spark for you to not only have a job, but to have a career, to um, be in a place, a mindset where you don't just work every day, it feels like you're getting paid to play. Um, those kinds of mindsets and those kinds of things. And I bring that up because, you know, that's something that I uh, personally have benefited from heavily of, of having this kind of mindset. But I, I, I wanted to suss this out and, and talk about it with Anthony and Emily. And then, of course, we always want your feedback and what you think about this topic and, and where you see yourself. So uh, let's dive right into it. Who wants to go? What? you know, how do you think you got to your path so far and what is driving you to get out of, out of, out of, out of school and into the quote real world? I'm still thinking about how did I get here? You know, it's one of those things. It's like, I always tell people, it's like, I always wanted to be an animator. And then my life took a turn and I ended up getting a drawing degree and a graphic design degree. And then from there, I was like, oh, cool. I can do the animation thing now by going to NMSU. Life took a turn. That didn't work out. So I got a communication degree. I uh, went to go for, I mean, to go get a master's degree in communication. And I got that. Then I was like, oh, I want to experience the real world. And then, and then I experienced the real world for a little bit and I got bored. And I was like, I want to pursue a PhD now. And so... I mean, just the trajectory itself has been weird for me, but I'm happy where I'm at because it's, it's just funny because I tell people never in my life did I ever want to become a teacher because I knew I wanted to break the family tradition. But yet the thing I find the most fun in in this profession is the teaching. Um, and for me, at least, I, I know uh, for others, it's different. And um you know, after the degree thing, that's, that's another question that I've been just trying to figure out. Like one, I don't know where I'm going to be. That's one thing that kind of just kind of scares me and, um, but excites me at the same time. But, and I don't know if I'm, if I'll even be a professor, that's the thing, you know, I would love to, because my favorite, again, my favorite thing is working with students. And so it's like, I don't know. I'm still trying to ID this answer out myself as I'm talking, but I'm just thinking about the trajectory as a whole. And it's just one of those things. It's just kind of been a surreal experience for me because I will say that academia has opened so many doors for me because I've met so many people that I never thought I was going to meet in life. Um, you both included. I never, you know, and I'm grateful for that. 
And I'm appreciative of that. And honestly, if it wasn't for academia, I wouldn't have met a lot of people that are super close and important to me. And um, to me, that's pretty cool. You know, it's very deep too. And uh, it's just like, I don't know, life has a weird way of like just leading in the directions that you're meant to be in. And I'm still thinking about that second part. So I'll, I'll, I'll let Emily answer that if she, if, you know, if she wants, and then I'll come back and see what answer I can give. Cause I don't know, but that first part really resonated with me. And I, I was just thinking about that trajectory. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. I'm also still like thinking about the second part of it. And um, I think part of the tension that I'm feeling a lot of tension, that's like my word of the week, it's just internal tension. Um, and it's not like the kind of tension that you're just going to like work out in a week. It's like my life and my, you know, perspective on the world kind of tension mm-hmm. that's going to keep, you know, ebbing and flowing through my life. But um, most of that stems from the fact that I really started like I, I mean, I always loved school when I was a kid and I always wanted to keep going to school. And I had this like very kind of like, I mean, I don't want to say elitist because I was like a child, but like kind of elitist view of like, you know, knowledge, if you, like you need to strive to know more, you know, like that is valuable. Like I just always felt that way. Um, and I think it was because I was such like a big reader. Um, and I also feel like my parents were very much like, like there's nothing stopping you, like go do whatever you want to do. And so I kind of felt like if I stopped and relaxed that I wasn't like maximizing my potential, I suppose. So it wasn't like they were putting pressure on me to like do things. I just was like, well, I need to take advantage of all these opportunities. Um, and so I kind of just approached life that way. And I still kind of do. Um, but the, but being in academia is making me aware of that kind of like, I'll, I'll keep using the word elitist. I don't really like it as a child, but I'll use it. I can't find another one right now. Um, this kind of elitist view of like academia knowledge and like what my degree was going to mean. You know, like I think I originally pursued a PhD because it was like the last degree I could get. Like it was like, you know, the creme de la creme of degrees. There's nothing past it. You know, I, well, I guess in undergrad, I wanted to get an MD PhD because that was even more prestigious than a PhD. But I eventually let go of that because I was like, that's a little extra. You probably don't need to do that. Um, But like, as I've been going through this process, I've like been reflecting on that outlook and I don't really agree with it anymore. Like I I don't agree with my past self in my perspective on, on knowledge and, and what's valuable. Like I do think knowledge is valuable, but it not to the extent that, that I thought it was before. Like I'm realizing that a lot of this pursuit of knowledge and this idea of expert is like intertwined with a bunch of power hierarchies and assumptions and othering of other people. And I, that like creates a lot of tension in me because my pursuit of knowledge was in my mind, like social justice oriented. It was about like breaking down barriers and, um, you know, giving space for people to express themselves um, that didn't often have the space, but I'm realizing that I don't know if the tools that I'm learning are actually liberatory (laughs) or if they're just like, you know, or if they're just confining still. Um, and I think that's like the, the biggest tension is that I started like this whole pursuit thinking that I was working towards freedom. But the more I learn, the more I'm aware of how like academia and, and other social institutions seem liberatory. But when you actually look at like the history of them and the context of them and how, how many disparities that they create or perpetuate, it's like, oh, do I want to be a part of that? You know, do I want to be part of that system? 
But like, I also know that there's not going to be any system or organization or business or anything that I could, you know, essentially be a part of to make money to live. That's not going to have any of that. Like, that's just the nature of human life, you know? So I, I guess I'm just been really kind of conflicted over that. Like, do I just like make the best of, of the tools that I'm learning? Do I, you know, just be like really reflexive about what, how I'm pursuing research and keep trying to find a method, a research method that I feel like fits me and doesn't reproduce power hierarchies to the extent that a lot of research methods do. Um, and like, I'm, I'm really questioning, like, am I going to find that? So I guess right now I'm really focused on learning like community-based methods because I feel like those, those are the methods that seem liberatory to me right now. You know, I started off in academia, like very like quantitative, empirical oriented for my psychology classes. And then like reflecting on that, I'm like, oh, that that assumes that there's experts that can, you know, go and extract information from populations, interpret it, present it to the world as if it is fact. And that is not something I'm comfortable with. So I don't know if I can do that kind of research. And then I was doing more qualitative research and I'm like, I'm still interpreting other people's words when I'm doing a textual analysis. To what extent is that still reproducing power hierarchies? And I'm sure in community-based research, I'm gonna see that they're still gonna exist there. It's not really necessarily about completely getting rid of them. It's about reducing them. But then you read decolonial approaches, like which is I've been looking at like this last week, which some argue like, even if you're minimizing them, you're still like perpetuating it, right? Like the system is flawed. So like we have to get rid of the system. And I just like don't know how all this, like where, what my place is in all of this. I'm like, how do you, how do you resist this? You know, like society is like set up for us to perpetuate it either knowingly or unknowingly. And I guess I'm glad I pursued an education because at least now I can think about these things, but that's also burdensome. Um, so I don't know, this is all to say, I don't have any answers, but that like my trajectory and like where I'm at now is in great conflict. <laughs> and that is the source of my tension. Um, so yeah, I hope all of that made sense. It was kind of seemed jumbly. Yeah in retrospect but that's where i'm at really it's like i don't have any answers for anyone you know like maybe the first year of grad school i was like oh yeah i have answers yeah i'm gonna you know I, I can tell you you can tell you what this person says about it what this scholar says and now like i feel like i'm at the point in my academic career when i'm like i'm gonna know nothing and have a phd like what is that gonna mean like, <laughs> yeah. like oh expert emily on communication i'm like well actually everything's nuanced i can't say i can't say with any certainty you know um that's the kind of person i'm becoming so i i guess i don't know i just oh, i think those are the, the some of the best kinds of phds is that you know someone that like they often say the the more you know the more you realize you don't know mm. you know and so that's that's to me that's a, a really good quality uh, actually. And, you know, just hearing y'all talk about your own reflections on, on what is your passion, what drives you, uh, some of the overtones I heard, and I took notes, some of the overtones I heard were, you know, some of it is, is the shaping that we get as, as children, right? And like the influences that we have there and, and, and experiences we have. Um, and then our own experience through the through this journey, like going through uh, high school and college, you know, undergraduate, definitely uh, the experiences you're having start shaping, you know, this this passion that you're finding. And uh, and the other thing that was real interesting that y'all brought up was just changing over time. That like even even though it's it's you know it sounds short and long, I guess depending on on where you come from in terms of PhD is like four years. 
uh, a lot happens in four years. And, and, and the first year, you, like you said, you're, you have a lot of opinions and ideas. And uh, it sounds like, you know, from, your, from y'all's reflections that y'all mull over it a lot more now uh, uh, and don't necessarily have to be the first person to speak up, but ha- like you want to form your ideas. And so um, one of the things that I, I kind of came out of with my own personal reflection of this is I wrote a, a drive and passion is something often sold as positive, but is often reflective in the biggest challenges we face in overcoming them. And so it's like a lot of times when we talk about our drive and our passion at the beginning of things, it's this super positive sounding thing, but it's actually like the passion that makes you overcome these challenges that are in your way, you know? So like, like, uh, uh, Anthony's like one of his challenges and I only laugh because it's like, he's not the only one that has experienced this that comes from a family of educators, you know? And so they're like, the challenge is I'm not going to be an educator because like, I'm not going to teach. That's what everybody does. And then you go and you're, you go, you do all these things. And then you're like, gosh, dang it. If it doesn't tell me that I love to engage and, and teach like for real, it really is like that. And it was <laughs> after I got my master's degree, literally it was they, the, the, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find a job for the life of me in El Paso. And so I was just like, finally, someone asked, told me, hey, they're hiring at the community college, a writing tutor. You want to try it? I'm like, man, I just, I need money right now. So I'm down, you know? And so I ended up doing that. And then I ended up really liking it a lot. And then I was like, damn it. I like doing this. You know, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm just like, oh man, I do like this. And then I'm all like, it was one of those like things where you're like, oh man. But at the same time, it's like, this is cool. And I'm happy about it. But at the same time, like, ah, the curse is real. And it's not really a curse. It's just uh, in my head that it's one of those things that I wanted to break the trend, I guess. But (laughs) deep down inside, it's one of those things that that I'm happy about, though. In reality, I joke about that. I wanted to break this curse or quote unquote curse, right? I wanted to break this trend. But deep down inside, it was one of those things I'm like, well, I'm grateful that I get to do this because I've always wanted to be like my grandfather. I've mentioned that multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I was going to say with with Emily, like, you made me scratch my head and and think hard because, like, you're, you know, you start this young journey of, like, I like to think and intellectualize I like I it's I'm imagining like this six-year-old Emily kind of like reading books <laughs> at the library and people just looking at her like she sure is quiet and just in that book you know like well I'm thinking you know like this is what I do you know and and it's what like you know I don't know let's well I don't I'll, I'll guess like 20-ish years later you know and and Emily's like deep in academia sussing out these research approaches passionately because you've had this passion since you were a young kid being inquisitive and you're you're literally sussing out the approaches to find like emotional and cultural and uh, like an identity of alignments with these research approaches beyond just what people uh generically deem as academic or academic worthiness and so I, I, I find that 
that drive and that passion as something that's like for both of y'all as almost involuntary, you know, like, am I wrong on this or? Um, oh, I think you're, I mean, for me, yeah. at least, I feel like you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. You're synthesizing in a way that I was like, did I say that? I communicated that? Like you're, you're making me feel like I actually did, did well at communicating myself. No, I think you did too, Emily. I think you did communicate everything really well. And I was just like, it, it was like, I really resonated with what you said. And um, I think the thing that all three of us want to do, and you can, you both can correct me if I'm wrong, but the things that we all want to do in just hearing and knowing you all and hearing the conversation that we're having is that one, we want to make an impact in our community. And two, we want to make a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. And I, and that's something that I think that I want to do and that I want not just for after I graduate and get the PhD degree, but now, because to me, that's super important. I want to be able to make an impact on my students' lives. I want to be able to make an impact on my own life. Um, and I want to be able just to make a difference in some capacity or another in the community that I'm in, the community around me. And to me, I think that that makes it that's super important to me on top of other silly goals that I have too. But I initially like my major goals are just to make a difference and just to make an impact on people and hopefully just do something good that, you know, the day that I do pass away or whatever, Oh, it's getting dark. Um, that the day that I do leave this earth that I can, I, I can be happy knowing that I did something right and did something good for people. And, not just waste my time here you know what I mean and um so that's what I'd like to do like after I graduate of course I'd like to also do like make my dissertation into a graphic novel that'd be something super cool for me I want to work with students and mentor students I think that'd be really cool whether it's in professor job or in some other capacity I would love to be a mentorship in some way or continue working in the community and building community in some aspect I want to either do another short film or a documentary. That'd be something super cool. Um, I don't know. Those are things like that. But initially, making a difference and making an impact are the two big things that I want to do. Yeah. No, so, I mean, and, and uh, some other things that, like, just come to mind as we work through this and talk about this, about, you know, where do we find our passion? How do we, uh, how do we keep it right? Like one of the things that I was uh, noticing when I was talking to students yesterday in my class was this differentiation between helping people find their passion and then facilitating people's journey and obtaining their passion, like ob ob obtaining the ability to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we set up for wanting something and then facilitating doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was thinking about that, about um, how that's, how often we have so much struggle in that pursuit of it. Once we find it, we're like, I'm passionate about this, but now doing it, it's really hard, you know? Um, so I like a really grand example I have of this is that, uh, there's this documentary called Return to Space that just came out. It's about SpaceX. Mm. And I knew nothing about SpaceX other than that Elon Musk, you know, sending these rockets uh, 
they they have some successes they don't have some successes and i really didn't understand <laughs> it made me realize how for how much i love science and space like i knew nothing about what's been going on for the last 10 years plus with space exploration like it's been since 2011 that that a space shuttle flew like we haven't flown a space shuttle since 2011 and, and uh, nasa teamed up with these independent contractors to create you know a new flight program and and uh and it ended up becoming spacex and um and when spacex was developing their rockets they uh they fired uh three off they launched three and all three failed and uh and when the third one failed the the like head one of the head engineers of it you know he was talking about how you know, he was going to be, this is his passion. This is what he does. He wanted to do it. He was like, yeah, we will get into space. Like you hear driven people and they say, I'm, I'm going to get, this is what we're doing. I got three tries. This is going to happen. And it didn't happen. And, uh, and we, we look at people like that when they have a success and we say, you know, we idol, not idolize them. I, th I think we're at the age now where we don't idolize people, what we think highly of them. And we think, very like these people have their stuff together to a great extent and this guy does by the way i'm not saying he doesn't but it was real interesting because um they were asking someone that worked with him you know like how he took it and and they said that uh, his wife said that he didn't he didn't speak for like two months after the third one wow. didn't didn't uh, uh uh you know have a successful flight and it made me realize that like at the top of the crim, at the top of, our, of us being passionate and trying to do our best, that like we are human, you know, that we at, at, even at like the most successful levels that we look at, you see people cry, you see people uh, uh, when they fail uh, in sports and all these other places that we have a vulnerability. And I, I often think that like all that, you know, all this to say, because Joey's like ranting right now, right? All that to say, I often think we're very scared to share what we're passionate about as humans because we're afraid of failure, you know? And I think at, at, a, at a very young age where it's, we assert what we want to do, but I think when we get through that high school and, and into college and even through the PhD level at this point, people are scared, um, societally i guess to say this is what i'm going to do and this is how i want to do it like and i'm excited you know <laughs> like it's almost like that is looked at as like hey slow down <laughs> like, i don't know i i've often th been thinking about that as i teach undergrads and even when i interact with with colleagues and stuff about goals and stuff is that we've we, we've tended to kind of refrain and kind of pull proverbial reins back a little bit. Is that, am I imagining that or? I think it might be different for me just because I'm doctoral student. So everything's go, go, go published right now, do everything fast. But because I'm actually the opposite, like I want to slow down and everyone's like, but you got to publish. If you don't get it out in the next year or two, it won't be published by the time you're, you're done. So I feel like, I don't know, well, that's the pressure is kind of different. Yeah. that that's that's uh okay i must have worded it wrong because like that's success this is yeah, like yeah. like uh, success in your passion which is different yeah. right like so you have like uh academic success or what i would call like career driven success right you get this job so that you can get that job and that like 
that's one kind of passion. The passion I'm talking about is like your, like, for example, when we were talking about your work is that you're research oriented. So your passion, whether it is through publishing papers or doing a documentary, uh, which you didn't bring up, but I'm throwing in there. Uh, uh, Yeah. Are doing a documentary (laughs) is that like finding that passion, like that journey, that drive for that is what I'm really referring to more than uh, I feel like people are scared of doing that and, and, and are more oriented towards what you're talking about of saying like, well, I'm being told if I publish, 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 that will fulfill my passion and give me like the accolades I need to say, like, while I'm not doing exactly what I want to do, I have had success and that will supplement this. Yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to, to say is that like it just feels like what the world slash academia slash those above me want me to do is so at odds with what I feel like I need to do for my passion. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want to be really intentional about decision making I make in the research pro- process. And sure, you know, they all say to do that, right? But like the system is set up so that you don't have the time to do that. So like that needs to be acknowledged. And so I feel like like you're right that like. I probably don't to the like pursue what I'm passionate about to the extent that I could or like voice what I want to do to the extent that I could because there's all these other pressures. Um, like it's hard to assert yourself because then people say, oh, well, that's not the way that it's typically done or like that's not what the system's set up for. But you're like, yeah, but that's what I want to do. And it's not selfish for me to, to say that. Like, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time it's framed as being selfish or individualistic, but it's like, I don't think that's what it is, really. I think all communities work better and produce, you know, more benefit if people are doing what they want to do, not what everyone else wants them to do. I agree. And on that note, um, I think the thing with the, like, a PhD program is that everything is very structured that you have to do, take the classes, you have to then do comprehensive exam then you have to do your dissertation proposal then you have to do your dissertation and then in between all that there's even more little structures in between so there's a formula that you have to follow but I'm towards the end of this part of my quote-unquote career of a a PhD student or candidate whatever um, where I'm starting to see like what I find fun is what I enjoy and what I'm passionate about. And so the key word for me is like, what do I want to do that's still fun for me? And that want truly is the driving factor for me. And so my, I guess my passion would be fun. That's, that's, that's what it is, you know, because it's like, I want to make education fun. And that's one of the things that I would tell people, especially those I've had a chance to interview with for job positions. And uh, in practice presentations and just people in general, I've had that conversation with that. I want to make education fun. I want to make it digestible for people and uh, not just for my students, but for myself too, because if like, if I can enjoy it, then why would anybody else enjoy it in the process? You know, whether it's the research aspect or the teaching aspect, we got to have fun because if we're not going to have fun in the process of the stuff that we're doing professionally, you know, it's, it's going to suck. You know, it's like, yeah, we can do this for a paycheck, but if we're not having fun and enjoying what we're doing, then there's no sense in passion in it, you know? 
And so for me, the, the key word and everything, you know, you know, is, is the fun aspect because I, I find fun in building community. I have fun in this dialogue and conversation that we are having here in this podcast. I have fun with, with being in front of students and talking with them about projects and ideating their projects. And the, the least fun part about everything in, in, is the grading aspect. I, I hate grading, but I mean, it's a part of the process. Um, but you know, just fun is what's my drive. It's it, I'm going to sound like the rock. It's about drive. It's about power. You know, um, if you know, you know, um, (laughs) so yeah, for me, my, my passion is the fun aspect of things and that's what drives me. And that's what really like makes me happy and is initially kind of like the end all be all of what I'm doing. Cause even my dissertation is fun. Cause I, I find it's a passion project, you know, Yeah. I, I write about comic books. I'm writing about two things that I love. And so comic books and being from the U S Mexico border. And to me, that's fun. You know, I'm not going to do research. That's not fun for me. I mean, earlier, earlier, uh, Joey and I had a chance to talk about a video, a video game project about video game communities and Latinx communities, you know, or Latinx communities, video game, uh, video game spheres, uh within latinx communities and one of the reasons why we both did it is because it sounded like fun and it was a blast it was absolutely fun and so why did we start out the resocial hour because all of this was fun for us you know so initially i think like for me at least my passion and my drive and everything is the fact that all this is fun for me yeah and i i think you know when i was when I was growing up, you know, uh, and even to this day, um, you know, a lot of times you're instilled that work shouldn't be fun or that, you know, you, you know, it's not always fun. You've got to, you know, hunker down and this and that. And um, one of the things that I realized in academia, though, was that if I'm not having fun doing this, this really is work work. Mm-hmm. And what I often found was that there is someone, though, that this is fun for, and we should have them doing that. <laughs> yeah, there's enough room in the canon that like, if someone else is like, I wish I was doing what you're doing. And you're like, I dread what I'm doing. Um, sometimes that means, you know, like even rethinking your position or your job or, or things like that. Um, and I've had that happen to me multiple times where I think I'm going to really enjoy doing X or Y. And then I come to really figure out that, nah, like this isn't what I love doing and these other people love it more. And, you know, I need to step out and, and, and let them have the room and the space for it. Um, which I think is often like, uh, uh, in, in a lot of jobs, not just academia, giving up of resources so that you'll be a better person overall is, is a challenge, especially when you're trying to, to chase your passion down and it may not be aligning with what you're working on at that time. Anyways, I, think, I just thought I'd reflect on that. Well, that was something I wanted to bring up earlier, but I, I lost it. So thanks for helping me find it again, which is that like how to know, because I feel like it's kind of like, like Protestant work ethic, like pull yourself out of the bootstraps, like just, you know, get it done kind of mentality that that often gets us through a lot. But um, I think I've talked about this in other weeks, but kind of struggling with that, like, is this hard because it's hard or is it hard because I don't actually belong here? You know, like I don't belong in this position or I don't belong in this place or, you know, any of that, like, 
kind of how do you like how do you find find out which one it is because you talked about you know joey like finding out that you know some roles that you thought that would work for you really didn't feel like they fit and i guess i'm i have trouble distinguishing like how do you know that it doesn't fit you know um and I think a lot of people in academia feel that way. Like that's kind of the imposter syndrome sometimes. It's like, well, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not cut out for this, but it's like, eh, that or the place isn't designed for you. You know, it's like, there's different perspectives you can take, you know, attributing the blame. But I just thought that was something to, to kind of bring up. Um, Joey, how do you kind of figure out Yeah. If, if it is about you not fitting with the environment or it's just kind of like a difficult time that you need to push through? Well, how much money do I have? Ah, that's the first question, right? Because <laughs> I'm, t- I'm a type A practical and a type B looking, you know, whimsical model, right? So, <laughs> so uh, that's the first thing I kind of jokingly ask, but seriously ask, because, you know, we live in capitalism and you have to make money. You, need, you know, you need to be able to provide for yourself and take care of yourself before you can help others. That's like uh, mentally, physically, and economically. You know, those are some of the biggest things you can do in order to help other people is not be a burden yourself. <laughs> and I say that having been a burden on all of those levels <laughs> in my adult life, not just like as a kid. And so, um, you know, that's like the first step, right? It's like, uh, uh, that's, so if you have that grounding, right? And, uh, and you're looking then to like, you know, we're, I think we're, we're kind of talking about like, do you fit in a program or do you, you know, is this job the right job for you? Um, is the career path that you've chosen the one like, you know, I, I, I evaluate emotionally a lot. Uh, I go by the feel of it. I go by the feel of other people, um, interaction of have had and, and the experiences I've gone through, you know, and then, um, like one of the things I've, tried to pride myself in, and that, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but I try and learn from others as much as possible. I try to learn without doing as much as possible. So like, uh, you know, like in my family, like nobody had ever wrecked a car street racing. I did that, you know, like they had wrecked cars. They had done this, they had done it. I did that, you know, and my family kind of joked about me, like always like I can, uh, you know, cause I was a baby of the family. I'd find the mistake nobody had made, you know, but um, but I'm I'm constantly trying to learn from other people's mistakes, you know, and um, and I think that's like a big part of being able to suss out and look culturally and socially at a situation of opportunity or of of it. Like I, I think Emily, you really bring up a good point of it's not that like that's a bad position for you or that's this is bad or this is it's like. It's just not, it's not a fit necessarily, right? It's not where, where, um, where necessarily your energy is going to be most utilized or uh, you're going to be able to grow in a way, right? And sometimes that takes experience because sometimes we get knee deep into it and we're like, wow, this is, I want out of this. <laughs> this is not, you know, and so a lot of what I do when I go is I'm literally just feeling people out. I'm looking at nonverbal. I'm listening to what they say. I'm looking at the surroundings around me. Is it representative of what they're exuding? Those kinds of things. And so when I go to job interviews, when I'm talking to my uh, uh, superiors here at, at, at school, you know, does it line up? You know, does what people are saying and what I'm saying and exuding line up 
with what we're, we're saying uh, could be the future in this situation. And, uh, and that's a really hard, it's a hard balance because one, you got to suss them out and, you know, the harder part most of the time is sussing yourself out, you know? Yep. Uh, is that helpful? Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I wasn't expecting you to give me like, this is the checklist now go assess, you know, but like that, that is helpful for like what indicators, you know, what information to kind of try to collect in order to I mean, I'm a salesperson. Out. Like I, I had someone call me, uh, for my business about, you know, having some advertising and I told them, I said, well, I need to go talk to my business partner and get this password reset before I can talk to you. And they're like, well, we can just reset it for you right now. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And they were like, no, like we can do it. It's not a problem. And, and uh, I was like, no. Nah. And they're like, well, I was like, look, I was like, I'm a salesperson. Okay. Like I know how to do sales. I'm going to say no one more time, which is three times. And then I'll just hang up and I won't ever talk to you again. And they were like, wow, you like really understand how this all works. And I'm like, yeah. So like we can build a long-term relationship and have rapport, or you can try and get a quick sale from me, you know? And they were like, Oh yeah, no, let's keep on talking. Like we can talk, you know, you, why don't you get that password when you have time and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's one of those things where like, I literally have my anthropologist hat on a lot. I'm always like trying to listen to social and cultural cues. And so when I go into those environments and I start experiencing things, uh, I'm sussing people out. But lately what I've been doing a ton of is sussing myself out. You know, assessing out, well, why are you uncomfortable? Why do they upset you? Why did you say that? And not in a, in a way to beat myself up, but in a, a way to try and improve the efficiency of interaction with others so that, you know, you can feel good and have radical trajectory, have the ability for us to succeed and move efficiently uh, with each other. So that's, that's a big, a big part of what like my new passion is, is just being able to suss that out more and more because like both of you all, uh, I mean, I love helping other people and I love teaching and I love uh, research and um, you know, community action research, like you're talking about, that's, that's my jam. You know, I just today had a very roundabout way of getting into some community action research with uh, some students at a local high school through uh, someone that contacted Anthony. Did she contact you, Anthony? Yeah, she contacted me first, asking about fundraising. And then from there, uh, she also talked about the media and gaming lab here and if we collaborate with high schools. And yeah. then so I was yeah. like, we totally do that. But here, let me connect you to the director of the media and gaming lab. And then so I connected her with Joey and then from there, you know, that's yeah, at A&M and, and she's, she, you know, she, she, it turns out she works here at A&M. Yeah. It's in high school. And, and, uh, you know, she was really interested in having some high school engagement with, co- you know, college level uh, production uh, uh, courses and, and groups. And so I was like, yeah, let's talk. Like to me, that's, that's community, you know, that's action-based, you know, research, community action research. It's like literally saying, yeah, lead me. What do you want to do? What do y'all need? Okay. And then we'll circle back and we'll figure out, okay, I use grounded theory. So I circle mm-hmm. back and I go like, all right, is this something we can write up about? Is this experience uh, something that maybe some 
graduate students want to be a part of and, and do work in? Or is this something that's in and of itself? Are we running into uh, families and, and dynamics and maybe even looking at it from all kinds of other spaces? Like what's the lived reality of the situation? Um, but like you said, kind of letting it find you. And that's that takes time, you know, sussing those kinds of things out. But it got so, it got so uh, 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 serendipitous that I literally, she told me she's an entrepreneur and I was like, well, what do you do? And she's like, I bake. I'm a, I'm a pastry chef. And I was like, wow. And she's like, yeah, I've been making my own vanilla ab, ab, uh, extracts lately. And I was like, oh, you should talk to this uh, woman that owns a coffee shop. She actually has like a coffee bar. And she goes, you mean Tavo coffee? I make their vanilla extracts. And I was like, yeah, like I just met with them on Friday to help them with their social media. And she's like, she was mentioning that you were taught that she was talking to someone at AM about social media. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of reciprocalness that kind of happens. And so that passion is like that connection, that connectory. And um, yeah, no, this is, well, this is informative for me. I, I've learned a lot from y'all uh, over, and I know we, we it's crazy because we talk every week, but y'all brought up some really good points. I think at, both from an academic standpoint and from a podcast standpoint of this reflexivity of, of where do you, you know, specifically for our talk, but this could be for undergraduates or people in mm -hmm. high school too. And, and faculty is like, where are you finding your passion and how far back is it rooted? And, uh, and what, what are the dynamic intangibles that are, that are occurring in this space? Like what, what are you willing to change and what do you what do you what are your, your ideals that you have to hold on to as you follow this passion i think uh y'all sussed that out really in a very unique way that was a good question yeah that was a great question i i'm glad that you asked that <sighs> well thank y'all for uh entertaining us and letting us entertain you for this re-social hour uh emily anthony thank you for entertaining my question that i randomly had today but it, i think it's one that uh is reflective and i think it could help entrepreneurs i think it can help people that are just trying to be self-reflective and and uh, see how they can um kind of understand their agency in their own lives so thank you all so much this was fun all right anthony everybody wave goodbye on this audio <laughs> this audio podcast. Bye. Bye. We hope y'all have a great day. Thank you.